Hello and welcome to a, a revving revving episode. I, I don't know. I'll I don't know what the fuck to call this. It's our our engine powered wrap up, which was 2011's drive, 2000's Gone in 60 Seconds, and it was supposed to be Vanishing Point, which I think is like 1970, 72, somewhere around there. Uh, unfortunately, we could not find it. Um. We did 1968's Bullet instead because we felt they, they were in the same vein, but I do have a special announcement. Friend of the show, Andrew, is actually getting us a copy of Vanishing Point that he's going to send to us so that we can both watch it and do a special one-off review of Vanishing Point. Uh, apparently, it's a big, it's one of his favorite movies, I think, and uh, in addition to that, I guess there's a, a big rivalry between what's better bullet or vanishing point so he's very interested to hear what our opinion is on that so yeah some point down later down the road uh we will do a special edition vanishing point review so uh that's something to look forward to so travis we uh you know first thoughts you know for anybody who's unfamiliar with a wrap-up show um typically what we like to do is just kind of our, our assessment of how we thought the trilogy went we will then do a, uh, our objective and subjective ratings of the movies because we understand that those are, you know, critically we can look at something and tell that it's the superior of the movies. But there's always those movies that stick out and you just have a thing for it and it winds up being your favorite movie even though it, it shouldn't be, so to say. Um, then we like to look at using Rotten Tomatoes to figure out critics, how critics ranked these three movies and how the the user base or you know just the, the simpletons such as ourselves rate them and then uh last but not least our favorite segment character swap where we take a character out of one of the movies and throw it into the the franchise of another so travis let's go ahead and get this party started turn the key rev your engine what did you think of our engine powered trilogy I really enjoyed it. I I think sometimes just to be fun, we have to hodgepodge trilogies together. You know, the, you know, Die on a Hill trilogy, for example, you're going to get a wide disparity of movies. And sometimes in the raps, I think we run into, it's kind of difficult to do a rap and compare the movies when there's only a loose connection. You know, Stephen King, well, I guess Stephen King's kid, Jonah Hill, uh, it's kind of apples and oranges. This trilogy, I was excited because it feels like we could compare apples to apples, at least on some level. So as a trilogy on the whole, it's honestly one of the favorite ones I've done. Uh, I agree. What about you? Uh, you know, not not to put the cart before the horse here, but um, I would say that in terms of enjoyability, this is, I think, my favorite trilogy we've done, where all three of the films were just average average wise if you were average all three of them together like i probably enjoyed this trilogy the most like the the quality of the movies and just sitting down and watching them and really really enjoying it there were no duds uh, it wasn't like there was a movie that i absolutely loved and then one that i hated that averaged it out like i legitimately enjoyed all three of these movies so i i would have to say on that scale i think this is for me the most successful trilogy we've had in, in terms of just pure enjoyment and yet, though, I, I would not say all three movies, even though they're car movies or engine powered movies and 
obviously drive doesn't exist without bullet and you know gone in 60 seconds probably take some inspiration from bullet but the movies are different enough where it didn't feel like we were watching the same exact genre every week cars just kind of mm-hmm. tied them together i i felt like there was enough of a, a differentiation to also enjoy it from that perspective as well yeah i i, I couldn't agree more with that so uh i think it's interesting looking at you can definitely i think see how drive was heavily influenced by bullet um almost to the point where the character himself the protagonist is almost a love letter to the you know the the ice cold coolness of steve mcqueen as detective what is it frank bullet yes Uh, yeah frank bullet i mean very much very much similar in, in the way that those characters are portrayed on screen um gone in 60 seconds i think it's funny because where I think Bullet is to drive, I feel like Gone in 60 Seconds is actually kind of where the the car or the petrolhead movies are today. I think that that movie kind of spawned... If you're going to go and see a movie that's got a lot of cars and like car adrenaline in it, it's basically going to, to give its roots back to Gone in 60 Seconds because I think it's just that kind of batshit crazy, off-the-wall, like chases through the city and stuff like that where like... It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The the car chase isn't believable at all. The fact that they're weaving in and out of traffic like it is in Bullet. But I think there's a certain level of popcorn, you know, just enjoyability out of watching a Gone in 60 Seconds type car chase versus a, you know, a Bullet or even a Drive where I think they're rooted more in, in realism. Yeah, and I think another key difference, and, and you're kind of nailing it, is today's modern car movie which i mean let's face it we're mostly thinking of fast and furious it introduces a much more direct comedic element um you know something like drive there's a reason that it's more of an indie art house because there's uh, is there any humor to be found i'm not sure um but something like gone in 60 seconds and i guess just the blockbuster in general because marvel for better or worse um, I've talked about kind of the death of the true comedy on this podcast. I feel like part of that is because stuff like Marvel uh, and even the later Fast and Furious franchises, they try to be at least 25% comedy. Um, so in the flow of watching this trilogy, you know, Bullet, Bullet has its comedic elements. You mentioned some of the smaller stuff Steve McQueen was doing with like the orange juice, but it's not an overt comedy. But now I feel like, yeah, if you're making a, a car-centric action movie or just an action movie on a, a large scale, you just are forced to shoehorn in comedy. Sometimes it works, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. Gone in 60 Seconds, the comedy was hit and miss for me, but mostly a hit. Yeah. I even try and think back, you know, Drive clearly wanted to be kind of a, a bullet-style movie. But you, you think like Baby Driver – you know, because even you're talking about Fast and Furious is what you typically think of, but I'm thinking of, you know, the the failed, fa- or was it Need for Speed, where they tried to launch that into a competitor. But even Baby Driver, like, my first thought was like, oh, no, no, I think Baby Driver tried to stick a little bit closer to, like, a Steve McQueen or, like, a Drive, just because, like, you know, he's supposed to be kind of a cool dude, he's got the music, but I'm like, no, there's a lot of ridiculous car chases, especially, like, towards the end with John Hamm when they're, they're going through the the was a parking garage i'm like no it definitely whether it wanted to start as more of him just being an expert driver it definitely winds up falling 
farther into the gone in 60 seconds style where it's like no at a certain point they're just gonna go ridiculous batshit crazy with with the driving yeah the the scene i'm thinking about in the parking garage and baby driver is when like i think baby like rams john ham's car off the top of the parking garage and it falls like five stories but john ham is able to still get out and ultimately you know spoilers for baby driver you know shoot the gun and and deafen baby so yeah Mm -hmm. as much as that movie with edgar wright started as hey let's just look at the technical beauty of a car chase by the end we had left reality not to the extent of you know we're in space with ludicrous and tyrese but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> definitely a heightened reality to to be generous yeah. absolutely so and um so yeah i just i think it is i do think that gone in 60 seconds wound up being, and maybe there's a movie but and it's just because that's top of mind because we reviewed it i'm just trying to think of a movie like gone in 60 seconds that was kind of as kind of off the wall with with some of the driving and stuff that happened i just feel like gone in 60 seconds kind of wound up being the as you put it the the grandfather of the the modern car movie yeah i mean we're this is the engine power trilogy but i think we both worked at tinseltown when um i believe both biker boys and torque came out as i recall (laughs) so those were very much uh, spiritual sequels to Gone in 60 Seconds. They uh, they didn't do it quite as well, probably to say mm-hmm. the least. What if we put them on motorcycles? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, the car stuff, it's a tired idea. I've got a whole new revolutionary idea. Instead of four wheels, let's do two. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, 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 do you have anything else more to kind of, you know, go into with the just overall thought of them before we start ranking these babies? No, I, I will say if you're a true gearhead, I, I wonder if you kind of miss the more bullet or drive grounded realities of, of car centric movies. But that no, that's about it. I, I think we can get into actually ranking them. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of, I'm looking at, if I type in best car movies, you have Rush, which that's going to be your Oscar bait. That's, you know, Formula One. So I think that's a little different because it's on a track. And it's based on reality, 100%. Yeah. Death Proof, which, I mean, that one's interesting. That one's more about, I mean, it's a Tarantino, so it's it's more about the conversation in the dialogue than it is the actual car. Gone in 60 Seconds is there. Christine uh tucker ronin which i've never even heard of before but you never the original heard of gone in 60 second yeah no i've i i see it's de niro it looks like yeah i've i've never seen ronin are you, i can't are you trolling me i can't tell. no no that's i've not that's not it's not I, it's, it's not list. a great movie it does have a pretty badass car chase mm-hmm yeah, nothing in here. Transporter, I forgot about the Transporter movies definitely feel more like a Gone in 60 Seconds style. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I just remember in Transporter 2 when they put the bomb on the bottom of his car and he drives it, manages to do a, a barrel roll off of a ramp onto a hook over a dock and rip the bomb off the bottom of his car and then drive off. And that's, that's a scene in... <laughs> Hit the Transporter 2. It got a third movie. I don't know if it was Transporter 2 or 3, but 
one of those two, there was also a private jet crashing into the ocean at high speeds with Jason Statham and the villain aboard. And yet right after the crash, they're able to engage in a little bit of hand to hand combat as the plane sinks into the ocean. <laughs> I, I do believe that is too, because I recall that. I don't think I ever saw the third one. So, yeah, it's interesting that even in the transport, I feel like the first edition was trying to be a little more grounded. And then by the second one, we have him uh, barrel rolling to remove bombs and crashing into the ocean in a jet liner and then having an action scene. So. <laughs> uh, All righty, sir. So let's go ahead and do our objective and subjective rankings. Then I think we'll do our our critics' choice and our uh, people's choice, and then we'll we'll follow it up with character swap at the end there. So, Travis, give it to me. Start. We'll start with the objective. Start with number one, what you think is objectively the best of these movies, and then work your way down to the objective worst of these movies. Um. I'm not going to elaborate too much here because I think it, it, it's better to kind of wrap it up with objective and subjective both out there. But objectively, uh, it's it's drive. I don't I don't think that's a surprise to you at all, Brett. Uh, number two, objectively, I'll go bullet. And number three, I'll go gone in 60 seconds as the worst of the three. Mm -hmm. See, I'm going to the opposite. I think actually objectively gone in 60 seconds is the best from the, the amount of talent they get on screen and the way they share it without any of them feeling like <laughs> so for the listeners we do this with a camera feed and just i'm just watching travis like this <laughs> starting to lose it i this is not going to be relevant to the podcast brett but as we talked about before we're recording this after kentucky men's basketball just lost to a number 15 seed in the first round of the tournament so don't tell me that the best just <laughs> assembling the best talent equals the best no Brett I can tell you as a Kentucky fan it most fucking definitely does not equal the best because objectively <laughs> you know Kentucky should have more than one national championship under John Calipari so I, I do agree Ghana 60 Seconds has a phenomenal cast did they utilize that cast to its fullest extent though that's what I'm going to ask you uh, no no I, I have to agree with, with your assessment objectively I think it's Drive, Bullet, and uh, Ungone in 60 Seconds. Oh, so I, you, you I, set me up for that then. <laughs> I set you up. You set me up. <laughs> um, as much as I think Bullet is a gorgeous movie, and, and I, you know, we talked about the cinematography in that movie, I think Drive has the benefit of, of coming out, what, 50, 60 years later, and it was just able to build upon what Bullet already did so well. Uh, it's just drive is such a gorgeous movie. I think it has better pacing than bullet does as well. Uh, and then just again, cinematically, I, I think it's, it's a, a better movie. So I, I would, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it is drive bullet. And then, um, what is it? Gone, Gone in 60, 60 seconds. Yeah. Now you want to go ahead and give me your subjective. Uh, subjectively, it would be the same order for me. So as much as I, I, I love Drive, and it was one of those I went back. I think I think that was the one we talked about. Like I can't believe how long it had been since I had watched Drive. Like I went back 
and I, I thought I was going to like, oh, maybe like not like drive as much the second go round. And maybe it was just the first time I watched it. I thought it was so good. But like it was just it was just as good the second time I watched, you know, having had so much space between it. Like it's fantastic. It's just it's such such a good movie. Um, I would follow that up with Bullet again, being kind of, you know, the the artsy fartsy son of a bitch that I am. I think it's just Bullet is really gorgeous for me to watch, like just even at that time, what they were able to do with the camera and the way they, they put together the shots and the subtlety of Steve McQueen's acting, um, it just gives me such joy watching that. Whereas Gone in 60 Seconds is just fun and it's a little bit crazy, and I do absolutely love that movie as well. I just, I can't, it's not even close to being the same pedigree as the other two movies, even on a subjective level. I just, Gone in 60 Seconds is a great movie to catch halfway through because you don't need to know what happened prior into it. Um, you can do laundry while you're doing it. You can have it in the background of a party. Whereas the other two are just, to me, they're they're just they're great like cinematic art pieces to, to actually sit down and watch, which is why I would say they, they rank higher for me. It's hard to argue with that logic. It really is, uh, even though I know we're doing subjective at this point, but... No surprise, even subjectively, even more so. Drive is my my number one. No pun intended. With a bullet, is is drive. <laughs> I it it's a it's a desert island movie for me. It it's top twenty, absolutely. So there was never any debate to that. I'm gonna zig a little bit subjectively. Give me Gone in sixty seconds. And uh, if I'm if no, I'm ahead. honest, Travis, knowing you and you your taste to this isn't an insult. It does not surprise me at all that you would prefer Gone in 60 Seconds. Like, the pacing of Bullet, I I can see you would have had issues with. And I, I at times, did as well. I think there's just a certain level of, again, some of that cinematography, and I just, I really kind of, you know, get get a jolly for. And here's the thing. It, it was literally splitting hairs for me between what was going to be number two, Gone in 60 Seconds or Bullet. Here is why Gone in 60 Seconds gets the nod. I'll just compliment Gone in 60 Seconds first. It's it's more fun. Like you said, it's if I'm having a party, that would be the movie of the three that I'm going to I'm going to watch with people. You can jump in, you can jump out. It's an enjoyable ride. Um, it would have been a clear cut number two if they had just done a little bit more with uh, the Kemp relationship with his brother memphis and kim mm -hmm. if they had done just paid lip service to the fact that this could be a convincing dramatic storyline they just didn't do it at all which i think is why ultimately that movie is not it's why fast and furious is the movie we remember and got nine more sequels because i mean we beat a dead horse it's it's about family and I think Gone in 60 Seconds, for as much as it was much more directly about family, it failed in accomplishing that. Um, what really hurt me with Bullet is something like Dirty Harry comes out just a few years later and just feels like it's Bullet on more modern steroids. Um, mm -hmm. The stakes felt higher in Dirty Harry. The tension felt higher in Dirty Harry. Um I know you love the cinematography of Bullet, but, uh, you know, at the end of Dirty Harry, when he's pursuing what is essentially the Zodiac killer through like a foggy San Francisco Bay area, I think it does everything that Bullet does and elevates it. So for mm -hmm. 
as iconic as Bullet is, which no doubt is it, I think it kind of got market corrected just a few years later by Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I put it slightly, ever so slightly behind Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. So that's And let me just say me. one more thing, Brett, in the parlance of our podcast, the run times. Let me give you the run times. The shortest movie of the three. Do you know what it is off the top of your head? Gonna say it's Drive. It's Drive at a tight 100 minutes. Second is Bullet at 113, and then bringing up the rear is Gone in 60 Seconds in 118 minutes. I think if you had trimmed Gone in 60 Seconds down a little bit, maybe removed the Master P and, uh, you know, played up the mm-hmm. family dynamic a little bit more. It, it would have a better historical rating. But it was just interesting to me that as old as Bullet was, it was still 13 minutes longer than Drive. I mean, it goes back to what I said. We love a good hour and a half long movie. I think there was a very small window in Hollywood where movies were actually at that length. And I don't know what... Because everything before it seems like it was two hours and everything later seems like it's about two hours is what they move for. And I'm like, I always thought movies were closer to that 90 minute. Like, they always try to hit that 90. But maybe that was just a... A ninety, a nineties ninety minute movie is is what it was all about. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just interesting because when I watch all three of these movies, I can point to a lot of stuff in Gone in sixty seconds that should be cut. We talked about on the Bullet review, like when he's back at the scene of the crime, you know, the car wash scene. There's stuff that you can just trim down. It just seems like, yeah, to your point, there was only a small area and time where editors i i don't know if editors had more more juice than they do now or just editing was more important than it is now but uh yeah like you said as i see the batman runtime i'm like i'm never gonna see this in theaters unfortunately as much as i love batman because i'm not committing to a three-hour movie Mm -hmm. well and it's interesting we talk about like people learning from bullet you know i do wonder you know the whole 48 hours thing we joked about but the whole scene where they're going through the luggage Like, how many movies today is it basically like you'd see Bullet at a desk and his partner would come by and be like, hey, forensics found this in the luggage. Like, they cut that whole scene out and just summarize what that whole thing was about. Like, oh, we don't need to watch Bullet and his partner go through luggage and look through all the shit and then find the one thing that they, the the one tip that they needed. You just have somebody walk by and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, someone else did that and this is what they found. And it cuts, what, maybe 10, 15 minutes out of the movie that is frankly very boring like there's nothing they don't have any fun like camaraderie or jokes like it's not it at all interesting or entertaining than watching them go through that luggage yeah and then you combine it with my little five minute scene and boom there's your 20 minutes that can be cut out of the movie but again i i have to give it slack you know going back to some of our older reviews i i have a strong dislike for old movies and that's that's part of the reason why and and when you well I guess we'll have to find out what Vanishing Point does in that regard. But once we pivoted to Bullet, that's what I was worried about. And it kind of came to fruition. Mm -hmm. We shall see. All righty. Do you want to get in? Do you want to do critics first? Or do you want to do the everyday man scores first? Um... Yeah, go critic. Go critic, yeah. Let's go critic? All right. Travis, I want you to tell me, ranking it 
number one, your first one should be what ranked the highest to what ranked the lowest. According to Rotten Tomatoes critic scores, do you want me to tell you how many people rated each of these? Do you think that'll give you any influence? No, I'm, I'm kind of a dog with a bone on this. I kind of think it, I know kind of what the voting totals will be, and I still think okay. I have a grasp on the order. So you don't All even right, have to give me it. the help. All right. Uh, number one, Bullet. Number two, Drive. Number three, Gone in 60 Seconds. Nailed it. Do you want to try and guess their their scores? Um, I think Bullet's going to have a much lower review total. Um, but I think the okay. car chase was just so damn iconic and Steve McQueen was so damn iconic. And even some of the new reviews, I think. Listen, I don't care what anybody says when people do uh, retroactive reviews of old movies outside of the Hollywood Chop Shop. They tend to suck the dick of the old movie. That's a classic <laughs> because they just don't want to be out of lockstep with the consensus. So I'll say Bullet was a 90 percent fresh Bullet has 44 critic reviews and hovers at a 98%. God, yeah. I, if I had known I it was only you, 44, I would have gone a little bit higher. The the On the top page, the only splat without having to, to look further in is from 2007 from Dave Kerr from Chicago Reader. He's a top critic, and his response was, in one sentence, there isn't much here, and what there is is awfully easy. He did not give them any benefit of the doubt whatsoever. Yeah, that, that's interesting from a 2007 review. I know that's just an excerpt. Maybe mm. you know his real review is more detailed, but yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. I already Drive, do you want to give... Knowing... I mean, it doesn't give you much. Knowing Bullet was a 98, what do you think Drive was at? 272 reviews for Bullet. Or sorry, for Drive. I think so considerably more. My bias wants me to go above 90%. I I recall this movie, and again, like you brought up, somebody literally sued the theaters. I, I know that was a fan, and that'll affect the audience score more, but I think this will be lower than I would like. I'll say... 83% fresh. 93. No shit. Oh. Yeah. Okay. One, of, one of our blasts was ultra violent, ultra tedious bargain basement rip off the classic 1978 Walter Hill film, The Driver. You know what? Maybe it is a ripoff. Uh, that was not the Walter Hill movie we reviewed in the Hill trilogy. Um, but I. I don't have a problem with ripoffs as long as you kind of elevate and do something a little bit more modern and fresh with the idea. So uh, that's a reviewer crutch to me. Yeah. Well, it's always what I've said. The, the difference between uh, plagiarism or a ripoff and homage is owning up to it, right? So if, if the director came out and said like, oh no, it's an homage to 1973's The Driver, then at that point, you know, it's one of those like, oh, you go into it knowing that he was kind of, you know, taking the, the best elements of that movie and elevating it, so. And as we said on The Drive review, Walter Hill was very complimentary of Nicholas Winding Ref, and he kind of acknowledged like, yes, he's clearly aping me, but... He's adding something new to the genre and improving on things that that I did mm -hmm. in 78. So last but certainly not least in our hearts, Gone in 60 Seconds 
has 138 review, critic reviews. Where do you think it? Where do you think it is? So, what is the bar for certified fresh? It has to be above what? Is it like 70 percent? I think. I Here's what I'll say. Know. I don't. I don't believe for a second that it's certified fresh. I'll okay. say 63 percent. 25. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Critics shit all over this. Yeah. Yeah. I, anybody who hated this movie uh is can't possibly like anything past The Fast and the Furious. My favorite critic review for Gone in 60 Seconds says, I found it more pleasurable as a time waster than either Mission Impossible. Uh, wait, so what, so what would have been out by then? Just one and two? I think so. 2008. I don't think the third one was out yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a bad take. I'm sorry. And Brett, you, you really piqued my interest. If we had, uh, like a, a team of researchers in the Hollywood chop shop, I would want to track down all the people who shit on gone in 60 seconds and then later went and gave positive reviews to stuff like fast five and beyond. Cause I guarantee you there's somebody out there. And if I find you, I'll call you out on this podcast. All right. So by 2008, when that review was posted on rotten tomatoes, mission impossible two and three had come out. Mission impossible three came out in 2006. I assume they have to be referring to the two or uh, MI2 and MI3. Because Mission Impossible was in 96. I don't feel like it's close enough that you would make those comparisons. Yeah, but even still, I... Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's this a movie came out in 2000. Yeah, I don't know. All right, Travis. We now know what the critics thought of these three movies. What do you think the every the everyday person, the everyday Joe, well, how did they rank these? I'll say, I, th I think it'll be the same. I think it'll be bullet, drive, and gone in 60 seconds. Okay. You are correct. The The order did not change, but the percentages did. So do you want to go ahead and guess, for bullet, what did, what did audiences think? What percentage of audiences enjoyed bullet? Um, does it show you the amount of audience reviews? 25,000 plus. Okay, so good, good sample size. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be lower than critics. I'll say it's going to come in at 92%. 85. Ooh, 85. Doesn't, okay. doesn't surprise me, honestly, that especially if you have a lot of more modern um, viewers looking at it, I could see where people would not appreciate Bullet as much and give it and again, if it's a thumbs up, thumbs down, I could see where people would give it a thumbs down. That's fair. That so, makes me very concerned about drive score. Then. As I say, knowing 85 is the top of our bar, where do you think drive came in? It has 100,000 plus ratings. We know it's not going to be, well, yeah, of course we know it's not going to be 100%. 74 percent. All right, you'll be pleasant to know it's 79 okay yeah yeah gone in 60 seconds has 250,000 ratings that has the most ratings of all of them where do you think it lies 
it surprises me that this one's going to be that low because I, I don't feel like an audience like what are you, what are you expecting to see based upon Nicolas Cage in the <laughs> mid 90s and just the trailer of the movie? I'll go with a nice 69 percent. 77. It was only two points off from Drive. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yep. So there you have it. There's where we rank these, where our critics rank these, and of course, where the the everyday man ranks them. But Travis, that brings us to our favorite segment of the show. Character swap. So I'm interested in, I'd like you to start it off. I'd like to know what character you're going to take out of one of these three movies and what character and where, what franchise, what movie you're going to put them in. Uh, first of all, let me just acknowledge I've completely bastardized this, this category and I'm definitely going to bastardize <laughs> it this week, but I think you'll understand why, because okay. I, I think it's very important because we kind of we kind of backed our way into this character swap. Okay. It's going to you're probably not going to be surprised to learn Brett, this is going to involve one Robert Duvall. <laughs> because he was already in two of the three movies. Are you are you going to pick him out of a franchise we didn't review? I kind of already have done that, Brett, when I kind of I said see. that his character in Gone in 60 Seconds was simply Harry Hogg from Days of Thunder. So let's just backtrack chronologically. The first movie in this trilogy by order of release was Bullet, which okay. Robert Duvall played a very, very helpful cab driver who, uh, mm -hmm. you know, should probably be a detective in his own right instead of just a cab driver, as we discussed on the bullet review. Mm -hmm. Very observational. Very observational. And then, again, going chronologically, he also showed up in Gone in 60 Seconds. And clearly he had more screen time because he was a much bigger star by this point. He was kind of a little bit of an unknown um I would say probably Apocalypse Now and The Godfathers when he really jumped to mm. another level. So the the clear analog for me is to go ahead and have the Robert Duvall spirit. You can call it Harry Hogg, you, you know, tomato, tomato. The natural, most obvious replacement is Shannon. You, you put him in as Shannon instead of Brian Cranston, which I think, as we discussed, Brian Cranston... Crush that role. Uh, amazing. It's, it's no slight to to Cranston that I'm, I'm replacing him with Duvall. But I think in, in the sense of this trilogy, the the maturation and the development of Robert Duvall's character from going to be the, you know, just the helpful observant cab driver to the mentor to Memphis Reigns and kind of have a tragic end. Like, I, I don't want to change anything about the Shannon character in Drive. I think it would be interesting to have that played by an even older, more veteran Robert Duvall and almost have, you know, Shannon's mistakes in Drive are, they're more mistakes of greed. As we discussed mm -hmm. in the podcast, he's always trying to reach a little further than he should. He's always trying to pump a few extra percentage points on, on whatever deal he's working. It would be interesting to me if Robert Duvall played that character as more of a 
hey, I'm old school. You know, I, I was involved in crime in the 60s. I was involved in crime in the late 90s. He just can't retire. He yeah, just can't and he, retire. And, you know, he's still applying those same sensibilities of like honor and a certain level of respect. And that ends up being his downfall and drive a little bit more than just pure greed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be very interesting. I'm thinking about when, you know, driver is flipping out on Shannon. Like, you know, you told him where we fucking lived. I should kill you. And then of course the Bernie scene where he slashes his, his arm to have that be Robert Duvall instead of Brian Cranston. If Cranston is a nine out of 10 in terms of, you know, prestige, he was coming off breaking bad. If you have an icon like Robert Duvall be the one who lets down driver. I think that makes this movie somehow even just a little bit better. Okay. I just the next it. time you watch Drive, every, every time Cranston's on screen, replace him with Duvall. You know, instead of that more fast talking, sleazy feel, it's more of just that southern charm. I'm just more of a good old mm-hmm. boy. I, I think it would be very interesting. I would love to see the alternate reality where Bobby Duvall was cast there. All right. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting. For so, sure. uh, what about you? So, oddly enough, we chose the same movie, the same franchise. But here's I'm going to ruin an aspect of Drive that we both loved. I'm going to give it some runtime. I'm going to give it some runtime. And we're going to get a little bit of a flashback to, to Driver, all right, in his past. And we're going to find out that his father is none other than the King of Cool himself. Frank motherfucking bullet. All right. Ooh. And that's going to give a little perspective as to how, why driver carries his, his demeanor is the way he is. It's also going to give us maybe a, a look into why driver looks to a, a life of crime as, as a way of getting back and maybe his dad not always being there for him or supportive. And in addition to that, it's going to give us a little gateway into how he got into Hollywood being a stunt driver because his dad was a little bit of a, a socialite, you know, he, uh, and he, the, Zodi- talk- the Zodiac shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's what I wanted to do. Is it's it's gonna it's gonna tack a little runtime in, but it's I think it's gonna give us a little bit more perspective into drivers because that's the one thing we we even brought it up in our in our reviews. Like, where do you think his past? Did he have a criminal past or what kind of past did he have? Because he seemed to fall right into this, and so I wanted to to give us maybe a. 20, 20 extra minutes of the movie, not consecutive, not just a block of 20, but somewhere in there, 20 extra minutes where we have maybe a couple flashbacks where we find out the driver's daddy is Frank Bullitt, the legendary detective from the San Francisco Bay. And uh, it gives us a little bit, let's, let's us understand. Again, the homage, you know, and, and the references back to Bullitt, they make even more sense now because he's actually a part of that universe. Now, our character swaps are nowhere near as in-depth as our chop shop. So at no fault if, if you haven't given any thought to it. But what in your mind is the leading factor to Driver and the father, you know, Frank Bullitt not being a part of each other's life? Is Frank Bullitt going to just get killed in the line of duty? That seems to be the, the easiest way to solve that problem. Yeah, I, I think I think Bullitt winds up, I mean, he just dies. I don't know if it'll be in the in the line of duty or if it's just they wind up being estranged just by virtue of, you know, Bullitt, he's the king of cool, but even, you know, 
because he has that clear divide you see with his girlfriend in the movie where he doesn't want to bring work home there's just going to be that that part where driver feels like he was even even when his dad was there he wasn't quite there you know frank bullets you know the whole superman thing like frank bullet is a detective that's who he is when he puts on the happy face that's when he's clark kent you know that's him trying to pretend to be somebody else when he's out being a socialite so at the end of the day it's gonna be one of those like driver never really felt like he was connected to his dad and again that's what kind of leads him into maybe a life of crime or like a gang as a way of kind of getting back to his dad in high school and then he winds up just actually being good at it and just falling into that. Yeah. And you know what I love to think about is, you know, again, we talked about, you know, Inspector Frank Toshi kind of copying, you know, or McQueen copying Toshi, snake eating its tail a little bit. I can imagine maybe Frank Bullet, you know, once he retires from the force, becomes some sort of Hollywood consultant with stunt driving, Mm -hmm. which, yeah, ooh, perfect into how, driver can number one be such a skilled driver but number two have that detached uh affect to him because like you said he was always number two to his father's work whether that be police work or in our you know hodgepodge character swap his later you know hollywood stunt consulting so that ooh, sir i don't know how long it took you to to come up with that if that's just something that naturally sprang to mind but that's ooh, that's brilliant Thank you. Appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, post well, and let me to... just ask you one more thing, Brett. Mm-hmm. We live in the era of remakes. There's nothing new. I was I was watching an NCAA basketball game today, not the Kentucky one. Not yet. Uh, but there was a Puss in Boots trailer and I was like, they're still fucking making these like I, we've literally run out of ideas. Brett, if 10 years from now. Ryan Gosling, you know, make some sort of, hey, you know, drive connected to Bullet. I, I don't think that's that far fetched. I think that could be pitched in Hollywood today. Maybe Hollywood's mm-hmm. not quite ready for it, but I could absolutely see what you're describing become a feature. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because it wouldn't require an astronomical budget if you did it right. Mm hmm. Yeah, and you'd be able to get the the old folks in there to that love Bullet and anybody new in there if you get that that new talent or even, you know, Ryan Gosling even years from now is still going to be a beautiful human being, so you know, you're going to get people in there to watch him. Yeah, that's that's a good one, Brad. I I think you should hold on to that one just in case uh, Hollywood comes <laughs> calling. <laughs> oh, I thank you, sir. So, uh I think two wonderful character swaps there. I uh I don't have anything else other than to say that I deeply enjoyed all three of these movies. Um, I think they are all super worth watching, uh, you know, varying degrees of how much you'll enjoy them. They are all very different, even if they are somewhat in the same vein and again, kind of reference off of each other, but uh, all, all three, I think great movies. Yeah, I, I can't, I'm not ready to say it's my favorite trilogy that we've done, but because I'd have to go back and look in detail at each one. But this one is is 100 percent up there. It, it, it's nice to have some connective tissue, but yet see Hollywood do it in, in slightly different ways each time. Yep. So 
I guess we can give a little tease for our next trilogy. Uh, we're doing a sci-fi trilogy, which is also going to allow us to add a new category into our chop shops. So going forward, um, in addition to horror, Oscar bait, miniseries, comedy, family-friendly, and there's one I always miss. Blockbuster. We'll now have, have sci-fi entered in there as well. As a, as a genre to, to cut up. But the three movies we're doing for our sci-fi trilogy are Brazil, uh, Life, and Not the Eddie Equilibrium. Murphy. Not the Eddie Murphy one. Uh, and, uh, and Equilibrium. So, Which I think Equilibrium will be interesting because if I remember correctly, it's pretty much a, a Matrix-like homage which is interesting because i think it only came a few out a few years after the matrix yeah i think all i remember about equilibrium other than the cast is there was some sort of i think there was a word for it in the movie something like gung fu gun fu or (laughs) yeah i can't remember what the fighting style that they created for that movie was but i'm not gonna judge it i haven't watched it yet but something tells me it's gonna seem a lot less cool than it did to me you know, 20 years ago, but we'll see. Gun foo. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Coming in and checking in on a wrap up and, uh, hopefully we'll see you back next week. Uh, The latest Florida story I saw was literally today, which was a guy on a motorcycle who uh, tried to beat a toll bridge or not a toll bridge. The uh, the bridges that raise up for boats Mm -hmm. and then realized he wasn't going to make it. So he just bailed out and sent his motorcycle over the edge of the bridge. Sadly, when you said beat it, I just pictured him with a baseball bat hitting the bridge that was drawn up out of frustration because it went up and he couldn't make the jump. So. Also plausible. That might have been the the origin story, but the ending of his movie <laughs> was trying to jump the bridge. <laughs> how come there aren't more movies where like that's how it ends? Like there's a there's a chase and it ends with a car jumping a drawbridge and the cops can't follow over. The, like I'm sure it's out there at least once, but like I feel like that's a scene that should happen more often. Is a car goes over a drawbridge. Well, maybe to, that's the problem. To evade the police. Brett is the gentleman on the motorcycle watched Memphis Reigns jump Eleanor <laughs> 847 feet across a drawbridge. And he realized right at the last minute that gone in 60 seconds, physics are not actually physics. Mm. So you're saying he should have watched the original, The Fast and Furious, where Dom Toretto gets hit by the train because he's not able to actually outrun it. Oh, yeah, no, he misses. He he beats the train, but he hits something else, doesn't he? I thought he what got he, clipped. He, maybe that was he gets clipped by the. I just remember he. Yeah, I, I think he does get clipped by the train. But ultimately, what the gentleman on the motorcycle in Florida realized is he doesn't have Brian Cheat O'Connor codes. to go ahead and gift him a Toyota Supra and say, "Get out of here." Mm, yeah. I can't believe somehow we actually tied all this into the trilogy. (laughs) 